Hi, and welcome to episode four of Criminal Broads, a podcast about wild women on the wrong side of the law. I'm Tori Telfer, author of Lady Killers, Deadly Women Throughout History. I almost forgot the title. Lady Killers, Deadly Women Throughout History. <laughs> um, proud mother of about 30 plants, faithful correspondent, and um, I have some announcement things that I will put at the end of the episode, but for now, let's dive into this story because I am so excited to tell you about it, although excited is perhaps not quite the right word. Um, I personally find this story very subtly but deeply disturbing, and it, it really compels me in a strange way. Uh, I just think it says a lot about human nature. I mean, all these stories do, though. <laughs> so let's dive in. Uh, we're headed to the fine land of Australia, where in 1993, a woman named Ellen Grieve received a very strange message from beyond and decided to change her life. Gurus, leaders, sages. There's something dangerous about people who want to lead you into the light. Don't get me wrong, a mentor or a a wise but humble spiritual teacher can be a beautiful thing. We all hunger for guidance, and it's easy to feel like a guru will be just the thing to fix us. But that puts us in a very vulnerable position right off the bat. Because in order to follow the guru, we have to believe. Jaz Muheen, a 61-year-old New Age guru living in Australia, asks her followers to believe incredible things. She asks them to believe that she hasn't eaten for 25 years, and that if we follow her, we can stop eating too. Hello everybody, this is Jasmine for the Embassy of Peace, and we like to start this video with the statement, has the age of the Aquarian ushered in the age of the Breatharian? This is a topic that isn't going to go away, and I'm finding some very interesting things now, especially after 21 years of in-depth experiential research. Firstly, is it possible? Sure is. We have nearly 50,000 people in our world now with this incredible freedom of choice. Jaz Muheen was born Ellen Grieve to Norwegian parents who emigrated to Australia after World War II. We don't know a lot about her childhood, and she did not respond to my email asking her if she'd like to talk about it. But in her book, Rhythms of Love, Jaz Muheen's travel journal, she says that she has never known what it's like to be normal. She says that as a first-generation Australian, she felt different from the local kids at school whose families had been living in Australia for generations. She also says that she developed an early interest in esoteric realities and the teachings of Christ, which further separated her from her childhood friends who were presumably doing kid stuff like playing in mud and um, screaming at each other. Jasmuheen might not like to dwell at length about her past, her, her pre-Jasmuheen days, but she's not afraid of a little self-mythologizing, like when she mentions a near-death experience she had at the age of eight. She slipped and fell into a pool and her ankle got caught somehow between a handrail and the wall, so she was trapped underwater. But she says that she was able to stay calm and to hold her breath captured there beneath the water like a mini monk. 
until an adult jumped in and saved her. After enrolling in an art degree, Jasmuheen, still Ellen Grieve then, became a hippie, dropped out, started waitressing, became pregnant. She married that man and eventually had two daughters with him, but when the marriage splintered, she took a job in finance to support her young girls in a very luxurious style, nannies, nice houses, etc. When she lost that job, it was 1992, and she was ready for a major change. She was already interested in esoteric realities and hippie stuff, as we know, and she was curious about things like meditation and whether or not it was possible to master the human mind. In 1993, she received a spiritual message that would change her life. Stop eating. Fasting has a long, rich history in many religious practices. And these days, in certain wellness-based circles, fasting is also popular as a means of resetting, detoxing, gaining more energy, what have you. But fasting implies that you will one day break that fast, which is how we get the word breakfast. What Jasmuheen was becoming was not a dedicated faster, but a breatharian. Maybe you've heard of breatharianism before, because it's sometimes the punchline to jokes about healthy eating. You know, first you chow down on pizza, then you feel gross and go vegetarian, then you go vegan, then you only eat raw foods, then you only eat raw foods that you grow yourself, then you become a fruitarian, and then before you know it, you are living on air. A breatharian. The final and wackiest step on your wheatgrass and Kama Sutra search for perfect physical health. Jasmuheen did not invent the idea that humans can live off nutrition found in the air, sunlight, cosmic energy, etc. Echoes of this idea can be found in early Hinduism, and the concept is also gestured at in a 1670 book written by a French monk who mentioned various sagely Europeans living on nothing but the pure, pure light of the sun. The idea is basically that prana, the Sanskrit word for life force, is in the air all around us. Now, Obviously, energy is real, no one is debating that, but the breatharians believe that if you just believe and breathe, you can train your body to convert this energy, this prana, into food. You give up cookies and take up cosmic microfood. You give up sodas and drink the sun. You give up pizza and take... Okay, you get the idea. Now, let's suspend our skepticism for one moment and really think about the ways that the idea of breatharianism can be appealing. Uh... I think it's appealing for the reasons that detoxes and juice fasts and raw food diets and elimination diets are appealing. Because it's this idea that if you just try hard enough, you can become pure. You can transcend your gross meat sack of a body that drinks and eats and shits and slogs itself around the world aching and moaning and sweating. You can Rise above everyday human existence with its pollution and traffic and dumb texts from your frenemies. You can glow. You can feel peace. We all want that, that sublimity. And I think the flip side of all of that is a kind of puritanical yearning to deny ourselves things, to punish our bodies, to control our messy, hairy, leaking human forms. So... I understand why people who are desperate for answers, desperate for relief, desperate for sublimity, for transcendence, could become convinced that food is icky and weighing them down 
and that the true diet is the most pure diet imaginable. Air. Breathing in this pure, nourishing love. All my vitamins. All my minerals. Everything I need to be strong, healthy, self-regenerating comes from a limitless source of love, of pure prana that flows from the inner realms through me now. But it's a crazy idea. It's not medically possible. It's lethal. People cannot live without food. Not eating food is an eating disorder when it's not being branded as a spiritual quest. And if you don't eat and drink, you will die. You will straight up die. You won't die because you are transcending your human form and moving on to a greater. You will die because you are not taking in enough energy to live, and so your body begins breaking itself down in a desperate attempt to survive. So when Ellen Grieve changed her name to Jasmuheen, and burst onto the scene in the 1990s, this pretty blonde woman with a soothing, spacey voice. Skeptics had one demand for her. Prove it. Prove that you don't eat. Jasmuheen was media catnip for a while in the 1990s. She could always be depended on for a great quote said in a breathy voice, like when she told BBC Radio, I can go for months and months without having anything at all other than a cup of tea. My body runs on a different kind of nourishment. She informed people that since she had been practicing breatharianism since 1993, she was much farther along than everyone else. But they could become like her. She recommended a 21-day program that would prepare people to survive only on air one week of absolutely no food or drink, and then a bit of fruit juice for the next two weeks, designed to prepare people to finally nourish themselves from crystals in the air. Meditation and visualization were also important. The reason so many poor children in Africa were dying of hunger? They weren't visualizing. They weren't reprogramming the body by changing their belief systems, as Jasmuheen said. They believed that they would die without food, and so, without food, they died. (laughs) Thank God, though, that Jasmuheen was at the front lines trying to change all this. Every second second, a child dies from hunger-related disease, she wrote on her website in 1999. This is unnecessary, and a group of dedicated, tough, well-trained, self-selected warriors, known also as the Knights of Camelot, have been utilizing themselves as guinea pigs to prove that human beings do not need food to live. Now, Jasmuheen did not want the world to stop eating right away. She said that trying to suddenly stop eating and be like her would have been like someone trying to run a triathlon with no training. That's why her 21-day program was important. The benefits, she said, were huge. If you just bought a few of her books and attended a conference or two, You could look forward to better health, more energy, no cancer, an amazing sex life, and lower food bills. It wasn't starvation. It was meditation with benefits. 
In conferences and on TV, she babbled on, saying that Christ would visit her in the shower, that she used cosmic telepathy to talk to the ascended masters, who were basically awesome people reincarnated as beings of light, and that world hunger could be solved if only people would listen to her. She had the sort of wacky, circular reasoning that characterizes a lot of cult leaders and flim-flam types. For example, here's another choice quote. If a doctor told me it was physically impossible to survive without eating, I would say, yes, according to your research, it is, but not according to mine. Oh, Jasmine did say that she would sometimes get a craving for food. It wasn't hunger. She just wanted the sensation of taste. So she'd have a naughty little bite of something indulgent, chocolate or a cheesecake. She cheerfully told one journalist that she rarely had a bowel movement, but because she occasionally nibbled a bit, just her taste, you know, then she might pass, and there's a direct quote, rabbit-type droppings every three weeks if I am just drinking, or a little more if I nibble once a week. There is little to eliminate except for dead cells and pollutants. Several thousand people around the globe were following her by this point, and journalists noted with surprise that hundreds were showing up to her events. She was resonating with people, no matter how much the media and the scientific establishment rolled their eyes. She was also getting rich. She was living in a beautiful mansion with a swimming pool in Brisbane and married to her second husband, Jess Ferguson, a convicted felon who did seven years behind bars for fraud in the early 90s. When journalists visited her home, they noted with grim amusement that it was full of delicious-looking foods. One journalist saw brown bread and bean sprouts, pawpaw and hummus, half a dozen cartons of soya milk, and jar upon jar of cooking sauces, along with a well-used chopping board, a shelf jostling with herbs and condiments, and, aha, a dozen bottles of vitamins and supplements. Nonplussed, Jasmuheen claimed they were for her husband, who was a vegan. Though doctors labeled her teachings as dangerous, there was something kind of silly about Jasmuheen, something hard to take seriously. Here she was, blonde and floaty, talking about rabbit-type droppings and filling the airways with zany babble about how eating was an outdated idea and how she was inspired by a 16th-century monk named St. Germain who was the genius behind Shakespeare's plays and was also Merlin and also Christopher Columbus. It could have been harmless, the faux-mystical ramblings of an aging hippie. But then people started dying. Blonde, Thin, and Dangerous ran an article about Jasmine Huyen in the September 26, 1999 edition of the Berliner Courier. Twelve days earlier, an Australian woman named Verity Lynn had been found dead, half-naked, completely alone on a bleak Scottish moor. She had died of hypothermia, dehydration, and self-neglect. In a small pile of her possessions, authorities found a copy of Jasmuheen's book, Living on Light, the source of nourishment for the new millennium. With the discovery of Verity's lonely body, journalists started digging deeper into breatharian-related deaths. Two years earlier, a 31-year-old kindergarten teacher from Munich named Timo Dagen had died after discovering Jasmuheen's constellation of websites. He became attracted to her mystic teachings and to the idea that he could be liberated, her word, liberated from the drudgery of food and drink. 
After 12 days of following the 21-day diet, aka starving himself, Timo began having problems with his vision. After another week, he fell into a coma. A shocked hospital worker remembered that Timo looked like he'd been in a concentration camp and that his circulatory system was almost totally collapsed. After four weeks, he recovered slightly, only to fall and die from a head injury. The next year, another death came. An Australian woman named Lainey Morris, age 53, read Living on Light and became convinced that the 21-day system was for her. So she flew to Brisbane to be coached through Jasmuheen's system by another breatharian couple. They put her in a caravan in their backyard and left her there, isolated. The plan was that she'd get orange juice for seven days and then absolutely nothing for the next two weeks. Things got bad quickly. After six days of drinking only juice, the man overseeing her heard a thud. It was Lainey in her caravan falling out of bed. But by the time he got there, she was crawling to her feet and just said, stupid me. Soon enough, though, her right arm and leg became paralyzed. Still, the couple overseeing her thought that if they called a doctor, the doctor would recommend that she eat. So they held off. Lainey's diary filled with thoughts of food. Every morning I think of cups of Earl Grey tea, she wrote. Yesterday I caught myself reminiscing over tomato and coriander soup. Today it is black forest cake and pancakes with maple syrup and ice cream and hot chocolate with marshmallow. Another time she wrote, breasts smaller, wish it was my stomach. She soon stopped talking altogether and then began vomiting black liquid. The couple convinced themselves that the vomit was her body's way of ridding itself of physical and spiritual toxins. Finally, Lainey died, delirious. She died of dehydration, pneumonia, kidney failure, and a severe stroke. The last entry in her diary was the drawing of a spiral. And now there was this third death on the Scottish moors, even lonelier than the first two. Verity Lynn's body had been discovered by a fisherman, miles from the nearest road. She was curled up in the fetal position next to a lake with a jacket pulled over her head. Like Lainey Morris before her, she had been keeping a diary. In it, she talks about her desire to be recharged, both physically and mentally, and to be spiritually cleansed before the new millennium. So she had stopped eating, traveled to Scotland, pitched a tent on a hill, presumably to become cleansed all alone, but instead of transcendence, she became delirious and confused, stumbling across the moor to her death. Jasmuheen's responses to these deaths were shockingly callous. When she heard about Lainey Morris, she suggested that Lainey hadn't come from a place of integrity and did not have the right motivation. She said she was never connected to Verity, and that she wouldn't recommend doing the 21-day program and walking around Scotland at the same time. She said that her followers were their own masters. She was just sharing information. What people did or did not do with that information was their own responsibility. So this woman died following your regimen, is that I fair? have no idea. It's not my regiment. It's a regiment that's been practiced for thousands of years that I happen to report on. What do you support? 
I support it as a wonderful initiation for people who are very well trained. That you effectively promote by writing books like this. No, I, it's not a promotion, more about sharing research. No, effectively no. promote by writing books like this. Um, the act of writing books like this, I suggest to you, is effectively promoting that regimen that resulted in the death of this woman and others. And I effectively promote in that book absolute self-responsibility, use of personal discernment and self-mastery. Richard, Your responsibility to people who are silly enough to starve themselves. None of the people who are involved in this see it like that. Now the spotlight was on Jasmuheen in a different way. What had looked wacky now looked dangerous. While talk show hosts and doctors openly decried her beliefs, the media pressured her to prove that she could practice what she preached. It was time for the guru to step into the light and show the world that she could cure world hunger, that she was living on crystals in the air, and that all the bread and soy milk in her fridge really were just for her husband, that she was the real deal. The plan was that the Australian TV show 60 Minutes would lock her in a hotel room, film her round the clock for seven days, monitor her to make sure she didn't eat or drink, have a doctor check in on her progress or lack thereof, and give her a chance to prove that she could truly live without food and water. Jasmuheen agreed to be filmed. See, at points, she seemed to truly buy her own shtick. One journalist noted that she would have been able to pass a lie detector test, since she believed in what she was saying. The people from 60 Minutes noted that too. She appeared sincere. Sort of. <laughs> she was slippery too, though. It was hard to tell what was going on inside her head. So you're happy that we lock you up for seven days and watch you die? You wouldn't watch me die. I'd come out smiling and laughing of your holiday. But you're happy that we lock you up for seven days? Can we do it somewhere really beachy and yummy? No, lock you up inside. Oh, no problem. No problem. By day three of the test, Jasmuheen started complaining. She said that city pollution was inhibiting her from getting the nutrients she needed from the air. She needed fresh air. That was her food. So the show's producers moved her to a mountain location and continued the experiment. By day four, her pulse was high, her blood pressure was down, and she'd lost about 13 pounds. She was talking strangely, slurring a bit, and the doctor there was seriously worried about how dehydrated she was. Friday night. You started on Monday night. How much water have you had? None. None whatsoever? No, I'm not allowed. How much food? None, I'm not allowed. How are you feeling? I feel really good now I'm here. You want a lay opinion? A lay opinion? A lay opinion. Yeah, well, I'd look like I'd lost a lot of weight, and the doctor confirms that, yeah. You're not looking real well? No, that's real good. You're now quite dehydrated, probably over 10%, getting up to 11%. I think last night was 5%. My mouth's still moist, and my skin's not bad, so... But the question and her is, eyes, her eyes are a little sunken. Her pulse is about double what it was when she started. Is she entering a dangerous period? Very much so. This is four 24-hour days she's gone now. And what are the risks? Well, the risk of, risks, if she goes any further, are kidney failure. She's burning up her fat and her muscle. That means uh, she's hardly passing any urine. That's true. I did four she... times today. It's too dangerous to continue? Very much so. Too dangerous to continue. Worried about their culpability, 60 Minutes stopped filming, afraid that she'd die on their watch. Jasmuheen would not admit that she had failed. Can you come to the intelligent view yet 
If my body you, tells me, yes. That you can't survive on air. No, that's not true because I've done it for a long period of time. And the last time, look, 6,000 people have done this around the world without any problem, Richard. But look, even to a layman like me, at the end of four days, I can see your body's collapsing. Will you because yet I've come spent to... two days fighting carbon monoxide poisoning. If 60 Minutes didn't put me beside the Story Bridge, the busiest main road, where, like, I asked for fresh air, like 70% of my nutrients come from fresh air, I couldn't even breathe in that place. All this caught on film, her sunken eyes, her gaunt face, her long-winded excuses, seriously damaged her image and embarrassed her. She emailed out a press release which contained her signature circular reasoning. What appears to be delusion to some is simply a preferable reality to others. For without our dreams and visions, humanity has no hope. More embarrassments followed for her. In 2000, she was awarded an Ig Nobel Prize for Literature, a parody of the Nobel Prize, for her book Living on Light. That same year, she gave a lecture at Edinburgh University to tell students about breatharianism and was met with hostility when a crowd gathered outside, accusing her of promoting eating disorders. The embarrassment of the 60 Minutes show apparently followed her for years. In 2015, she finally wrote about it in her book Breatharian Pathways, Memories, and Motivations, where she fills pages with excuses, claiming that the guards were blowing cigarette smoke in her face, that the doctor would glare at her with hate-filled eyes, and that her decision to do the show had not been supported by her inner plane telephone-type connections to the Holy Ones, the beings of light. What's Jasmuheen up to these days? She's changed her stance a bit. She no longer promotes the 21-day program. On her website, she writes, We have found that it is too quick for most people on an emotional body level, and that many do not follow the guidelines offered in the Living on Light book. It also cannot guarantee your transition into living purely on prana, and has a 10% long-term success rate. Your only guarantee into this successfully is your personal frequency, which sets up a natural magnetic attraction into this reality once the mental paradigm is tuned. Hence, we promote the slower, safer methodology as outlined in the book The Food of Gods, which we have found has a 70% long-term success rate as it is gentler to the bodies and allows for a more harmonious long-term social integration. The Food of Gods is available on Amazon Prime for $18.95. Her social media presence is soothingly nutty, and her various websites all blur together in a haze of purple fonts and paragraphs on peace and harmony and theta-delta fields. In one Facebook post, she mentions that she and her husband go on yearly honeymoons. In another, she writes herself a poem, saying, I walk this earth as the goddess I am, alive and so free, enjoying life's jam. She sells all sorts of products on Facebook, too. Meditations and novels and even a musical composition that she calls Grace Tones. People comment, thank you so much for the gifts you shared and your wonderful open heart. Another asks if there's a way to visualize your way out of growing body hair. Never tried to do this. Good luck with it, responds Jasmuheen. Unfortunately, her teachings on the 21-day program are already out there, and while they may be especially obscure these days, they are still insidious. They can still find the vulnerable, those who are looking for answers, those who are desperate to feel spiritually renewed, cleansed, freed, 
purified. In 2012, a Swiss woman in her early 50s read about the fast and went through with it, even spitting out her saliva during the first week of total starvation. Her children grew increasingly worried as their mother weakened. She assured them that she would stop fasting if things ever became too serious. But then, when she didn't answer the phone one winter day, her children broke down her door and found her dead of starvation inside. The call of the guru is hard to resist. Just imagining that you are pure and perfect being, the master of this complex organism called your body. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow Criminal Broads on Instagram at Criminal Broads. You can subscribe on iTunes and you can also just visit criminalbroads.com every so often and just casually look if there's a new episode up. But episodes will be coming every two weeks, so you can sort of rely on that, I hope. <laughs> um, okay, two quick announcements. Listen, I know that audio quality is extremely important in podcasts, and I'm here to disrupt that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I will turn off a podcast if it doesn't sound good, and we all will. So, that being said, I'm a writer. I'm not a technician. So, I I'm, like, learning and really trying to get better. But if there's something, if you have feedback, if there's something that um, is distracting you or bugging you, please feel free to reach out and tell me about it. I really want this to be a good listening experience. I want you to be able to focus on the story and not on, you know you know, we all know the audio thing, the audio mistakes we're making. So I'm not even going to list them here. Um, but you can always email me at torytelfer at gmail.com and tell me your feelings. Second announcement. If you like interviews with cool people, please stay tuned because I have two very, very awesome interviews coming up on this podcast and I'm going to have a lot more in the future. Um, these two are both with major true crime authors. Let's just say one of their names rhymes with Cheryl Mechter. <laughs> so stay tuned for those and I guess that's all I wanted to tell you about them. Though they're going to be telling me stories about um, some of America's deadliest and wickedest female criminals. So until then, please eat your veggies, please finish your food, and stay out of trouble. I'll talk to you later. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.